Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. So, hey, and welcome back to the next edition of Resilience Unraveled. And today, a new guest, a new subject, uh, a wonderful Corrie MacDonald is with me today. And uh, she's going to talk all things touchy-feely, soft and fluffy, caring and gorgeous. She's not actually, but, um, you know, I just think it would be nice to wind her up that way because she's a very practical, pragmatic person with some real insights uh, around all sorts of different things. So welcome, Corrie, first of all. It's so wonderful to be here. Thank you, Russell. We've been having a little chat and uh, we've already discovered your Canadian roots. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm smiling when you say practical. I grew up in Alberta where wet winters can drop about minus 43 when the wind chill comes. So it was literally that kind of practical background where people would compliment each other on your parka looks warm. <laughs> it wasn't much about beauty and so actually, it's interesting that I did decide to follow this creative path into art school because growing up, it seemed odd. It seemed like that's not a practical thing to be doing. And I was really drawn to that. It, now that I reflect back upon it, I recognize that while all of us were our human nature, we're drawn to the beauty of nature, whether it's, you know, in Canada, it's a beautiful snowy forest that I grew up playing in or uh, it's the connection between people like we just had that exchange back and forth that recognition that wow we are not the same we're all these unique expressions so I think that is something that is very Canadian in me even though I haven't lived there for almost 25 years just go in the summers when the weather is right right okay and, and so you I mean I know you're a therapist and such like but you you sort of started in um, the world of art did you tell me a bit more about that Exactly. I, I um, didn't imagine that I would do this, what I'm doing. In fact, art too. I never thought I would go in that realm because when you grow up in a family with, there were four girls and I was number two. So when you have an older sister who, you know, we all label in families, oh, she's the artist. And so I was in university really, Russell, that we, I had to take the art elective. And I thought, well, I just, I like pushing paint around. I'll do something like that. And I quickly realized that the teacher who was, push, uh, was pushing me because my marks were horrendous, but in everything else, I was always a, a really strong student. 
so when the class ended, he said, so are you going to continue and try to get into art school? And I said, no, I'm almost failing this. He said, I'm pushing you. You're really good, but you, you're just so, it's so surface, you know? So it was amazing to me that, and that was a good lesson that people outside can often see the things that we can't see in and of ourselves. So I did end up getting into art school and during art school, an interesting thing happened where, yes, I could do all the things and go into a critique and tell you, yeah, I see that you really formed great tension or, but I didn't want to. The love of it for me was knowing the students in my cohort and saying, Zoe, I can really see you work through that frustration with your husband. It's changing. I could see in people's art, they were changing. So quickly, a few professors said, you know, one day you're going to learn art therapy. And I thought, what is that? I didn't even know. But eventually, turn of events, I kept being pulled towards studying it or taking steps towards maybe getting my psych masters, like little steps. But then we would move country or a child would be born. It just slowly, but eventually got there. And does yeah. it still, and so just, it's interesting because my background's in the arts as well. So, I mean, I've come from the world of music. And so it's oh. interesting that art therapy, all the arts have therapeutic processes because each art is just a language, isn't it? It's just a way of looking at the world and communicating with each other and such like. So how much does the art still inform what you do? Oh, immensely. I, and I love what you speak to. You're right. In every art form, there is a, they're expressive. Now we, we have an umbrella of expressive arts therapies, whether it's writing or music or drama. And, and um, actually it's really interesting to me how they cross over just organically because uh, how arts inform what I do. It's right now, I, I weave together all the things that have helped me in my journey. See, when I was that person in art school, I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I was really confused. I was really lost. Came from a family with its good dose of dysfunction because no one had tools. No one was teaching these things in art about, like you said, this softer, touchy feeling things. It was just practical. You go to school, you get good marks, you get a good job. Where do you put all those, I call them heavy hued emotions. Uh, rather than negative, because we're the full rainbow, we're the full ass, every, every nuance, but we get the perception somewhere that those heavy colors, heavy hued emotions, have, they're not honorable. But I, I learned over time and through my journey that those are the things, and you know this through resilience, those sadnesses, those angers, those frustrations, those shame, all of those things, they can actually be held, owned, and upcycled for the light. So the things that taught me this were learning art therapy for myself first. All the modalities that I share, I, I did, I walked through, and I still use for my life today. Things like, as I learned about art, I started to learn about the science of the art therapy. I started to learn about the science of what was going on. I was fascinated by the neuroscience. Fascinated by the fact that we appear these solid sculptures, <laughs> like these dense material objects, but we're actually quarks vibrating. We're energetic at the base of our existence. So I was drawn to studying that and studying energy healing. So these now I, I merge together. And I never know when I work with someone, to be honest, Russell, like unless it's 
I formed this, okay, we're having a workshop towards anything. The art can hold anything. Maybe a, a group at, there's team conflict in a, in a group at work. Or maybe there's somebody who's can't get over the sadness of losing a, um, a mother. Yeah. Or, you know, organically, someone will come to me and just say, I don't feel right. And then that will often it just happens that I'll get a strong sense of a direction to take, but I'll always check in with whoever's in front of me and say, my sense is this way. What are you feeling? And we'll co-create. So we're always in creation. And sometimes it's more through the art therapy thing. And sometimes it's more direct, energetic, shifting people. So it's, it's always in creation. Yeah. Right. So, so, so that's interesting. So what you're saying in a way, uh, is that art so basically use not just the idea of art you use art as a full metaphor don't you using this whole suite of art therapy tools yeah and, and so what you're doing it seems and you're looking at the energy type work in neuroscience as well so integrating all that into a solution so uh, I'm, uh, it's interesting looking at your site it's full of art that's the first thing you notice there's uh, art metaphors all over the place which is no surprise but you've got a lovely phrase and that you deal with stuckness. And I just wondered mm. if you might want to unpack that a little bit for us. Mm, that's so, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think all of us humans feel stuck at some time or the other. And again, that refers back to those um, heavy trapped emotions that we don't see. <laughs> we, we were like, as kids, we we're just downloaded with stuff. We're like little sponges and it's how nature evolves. It just, we absorb all this stuff so a lot of the stuckness that I've personally felt in my life, I couldn't see it because I'm in it. So the art is a beautiful way to expose. It becomes a way to be a container to flow this stuff out so you can have it outside of you. You can look at it and you can choose to own it, to ask on it. And it's got intelligence too. We all have incredible unified intelligence um, within us. And so we can kind of, almost take it out and look at it and decide to upcycle it. Just like a creative artist takes discarded and broken trash material sometimes. And they take these things that seem like worthless and suddenly they repurpose it. And it's a completely new piece and it makes sense. So for example, just recently, I'll give you an example what I repurposed because you're right my site is full of art because I'm still doing this all the time <laughs> and I share that out so right now I have uh, a son I have three kids but my son is a lot like me there's always one who's really a mirror so I love Joe because we are constantly bouncing off each other and the minute that I'm triggered by Joe I know, oh, Corey, you gotta go and look at yourself, girl. So that's what I do. I go into the quiet of me. So literally I'll tuck into a quiet space, usually right here, I have some paints over there and I will, I will just start to dump that out. So actually anyone listening, you can do this and you do not have to be a visual artist to do this. The art we're talking about here is not art like a Picasso on the wall. It's more like the, the child in you is going to just dump that out. So it looked like a doodle or a line or a shape or a mark or something that just goes plop. Mm. So that in itself is very powerful because you just pulled that thing out. So for me, when I did this with Joe, it was just a really 
sharp, like a shark's teeth, I call it. And it just is that they can measure that, that when you start to enter that flow state, so I'm dumping that out, I'm entering that flow state, right away, my nervous system is starting to regulate, my hormones are starting to balance, I'm entering into a state of coherence. And then when that is on the page, I can just take a look at that. First of all, recognize, okay, this is just something to figure out and I can choose to reframe it. So instead of going, God, I always have this problem with Jill, which is my go-to because I love him so much and I don't want to have this problem with Jill. I can instead say, what if this weren't a problem? Like, what if there's some information in here that I'm just not seeing and now I have a new perspective? And we can't always get to this final question, Russell, but sometimes over time, and now I can because I trust the process, I can say, what if there is a gift in here and just need to unwrap it? And then so, there are other things we can do towards that. So I get that. It's a, and as it's a, a hypnotherapist, we use a similar technique uh, using writing. So you put people into a deep trance and you'll allow them to write or to, or to create pictures. So I absolutely get the method. I think it you know, there's, it's a completely legitimate method. I mean, it's, um, and, and the skill in a funny sort of way is um, is learning the lessons it teaches you. And that's the sort of biggest mm. challenge, isn't it? Because it's, because actually it's teaching you what you already know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just sort of showing it in a different way, I suppose, isn't it? And is, and is that, and is that how you use it in a sense? That's how I use it in a strong sense. And that would be the beginning of how I use it. So then and that's why the, this book unfolded out of me because there are a few little steps to taking that and owning that and flipping it and pivoting it to see that what you exactly said expressed, it's the same in hypnotherapy. You come out of it and you realize, oh my gosh, these pieces all make so much sense. And even if all the pieces don't make sense, at least you will get the next step into a new direction. And so you're right, it's just another modality for <laughs> accessing that same part of us that is infinitely intelligent and resilient and wants to heal. Yeah, and, it, and it's fascinating, isn't it? It's, and it's, it's, how, it's how we find ourselves, isn't it? And I'm the, almost the last person I spoke to, um, I, it may not be in the order that podcasts come out, was an equine therapist and mm -hmm. uh, used horses. And, um, and it's that thing where, you know, that she works with people who happen to find that modality really, really useful for them, don't they? And it's, and it's actually each of these, each of these have, they're all like Venn diagrams, they all have the same commonalities uh, and they all have the same purpose, but it's just that different way of accessing. It's that inner point, it's how would you get through yourself or how does someone else get with you and, you know, make, make that work. So I like the art, but you also mentioned a book and it's always, um, exciting when people start talking about that so tell me about tell me about the book yeah the book i know especially russell especially because i'm used to having a paintbrush not yeah. having a pen in my hand writing and yet again didn't you use a didn't you use a computer like a you <laughs> yeah. actually used a pen <laughs> i started with a pen you were just you laughing should. i did the whole big um i have to just map things map out the colors and you know um, but no, it, then right away, it, and it actually, we were just talking about this, lockdown was a year, almost a year ago, and it was during lockdown, being with the whole family at home, and I found in being in Dubai, we were talking about this earlier, in Dubai homes, there's often a, a maid's quarters, or a house, like that's how they set up these villas, and ours turned into mom's writing area, <laughs> oh. because 
it was quiet and I could go in there and I would just go in there to be honest, to just be quiet. And I do spend time sitting in quiet or whether you want to call it meditation or just to still myself. And for about the three weeks before I had five people say, what are you going to write a book? This stuff is so simple and it's so potent. And as you say, it's a, just another modality of accessing the intelligence within us that knows better. And I wondered about that because I had tried to write a book, but that was from my ego <laughs> about five years before thinking I should write a book. The minute you should, <laughs> nothing works, nothing works. And yet the universe is incredible because the framework of that book, there were, let's say it was good bones. <laughs> it was still the essence of what I was doing, but I know I had to live some life. You don't write a book like this until you live the book. So life in full colors. And then the subtitle is unlock your childlike curiosity to uncover and activate the creative intelligence you are. I spent five years work, I call it four by four and going through some real life stuff yeah. so that I could test drive this book. And also learning this book isn't my book. This book is full of stories of beautiful people. I had the the gift of working with seeing transform. So it was uh, a collection of their journey as well as the seven steps in general that I take people through so that they can learn how to do this for themselves with a simple crayon. Like one, one workshop attendee said it so well. She said, this stuff is like yoga with crayons. And I said, yeah, it's really. And then when you get to the end of this, and like I explained with my son, Joe, now I don't have to sit down I do still, because I know the healing effects of flowing something out, but I can energetically stay standing in the kitchen and do it through my imaginal realm in my yeah. mind, right? And so it becomes a beautiful power tool for when you're in those moments where you can't take off. Yeah. You've got to sit in it and you've got to have some sort of capacity to move through it with a grace and an intelligence that's above your small self. So that, that, make makes, that makes that makes a huge amount of sense the idea of learning a process that you can encapsulate mm. into a tiny process a micro process is, is is the is the challenge so do you want to just would you give us a bit of an overview of the seven seven steps or um yeah might i would be? love to yes so i we already talked a little bit about the initial steps is the mm. first one is when you have that thing that stuckness <laughs> that makes you go oh this again or I don't know which way to go or, you know, whatever, a heavy trapped emotion. And if we're going to generalize, I will, there's so many variants of these, but it's basically a sadness, uh, anger, a shame, a disgust, or a fear. Any of those are variants of those hit us and cause us boom, to be triggered or stuck. That's our ultimate art material. Like I said, of the upcycling artists. So we, I teach you the first step to own that. And then the next thing is, to put it in the art and then we learn how to ask on it so we own it we ask on it then learning how to receive information that's a big one for me because i'm out there ready to i'm practical i'm gonna handle this so and not and to receive the information coming and recognize how to when universal information comes to us and then how to act on it to take that next step and to not be afraid. So this whole chapter called Act On It. And then to expect it. That's the next step. To expect this exchange. 
that you're supported by life and that you can actually go this way. And then to love it, to start to really love that mm. when that stuff that looks pear-shaped comes, I kind of get excited now because I'm like, there's going to be something out of this. It's a total different way of approaching life. I actually can't believe I wake up excited for life. I woke up for decades with a, a big dread through life. So that's when you come to love life, all of life. And then the last chapter is to share it. And you actually just share it by being this new being. <laughs> you don't got to say a word. You just are it. But there are, you know, I share the science of how it does impact other people. We can measure this now. It's measurable now. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing, I might be wrong here, but I'm guessing the key step in there that I get, I guess the difference between practitioner levels is that expect stage. Because once you can expect it, you must have some sort of good practice you must have seen something because expectation without proof is just hope isn't it so mm. so i'm just so that must be that must be quite interesting isn't it because as you get to that step it, if you're able to do that you must have some competence in the area so so uh, that that's a that's an interesting idea isn't it I, I quite like that step i think it's 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 both impossible and quite simple at the same time Oh, I love how you spoke to that, Russell. That is so true. That was when that chapter came. And I have to say with this book, I tell people I received it like a download because I had the bones. <laughs> but whew, when information and that chapter, when I sat with that, that sh I actually said, show me. <laughs> because people will need to, people, when I share what I do, people often say, it sounds so good. But look at life, you know, it can be bloody hard. Yeah. You know, show, show me this is true. And I can't show you uh, until you do it, you walk through it, because I didn't believe it. I did not believe it either. It took me some good years of not, of not owning my stuff to finally go, I've, I've got to find a new way. And, um, but that chapter did surprise me. And it was delightful what the memory, the story that came back and, and what I shared. And, and um, but you're right, the key step there, the key part of that chapter is data. We need data to pile up so that we can believe that we can expect it. And so I, I write to the joy data has to pile up those moments. They can be incremental or they can be massive where you think, it came through, life came through for me. This shifted and this brought me this. So you're right there, by expected, you've done the first few steps enough to kind of expect, okay, now I really expect it. Now I completely expect it. Yeah. So there's stages of that. Degree self, yeah. And, and, and you talk, you've said a few times you talk about measurement. So could you sort of unpack that a bit for us? What, what do you mean by measurement? Because you've also talked about, have you talked about heart math? Because you're talking about heart rate variability. So. Yeah. Is that one of the metrics you might use? Oh, yeah, exactly. Heart math. I actually write heart math in the book. And this is a, I, here's another expected. So when I wrote it, I remember thinking, well, that, that would be really nice for me to do some work with heart math. They've impacted my life so much. If, if your listeners have never heard of heart math, heartmath.org. I highly recommend just hop on their site. They're, mm. they're a brilliant site. There's tons of free resources, but essentially we now know that when we move not just from the thinking mind which can often be stuck in beta um at, you know over worrying state we we and we're if we're not in our heart as well which is another part of our mind we have the 
feeling mind and the thinking mind. And I write about this as the foundational pieces in my book. We, we lose access to a lot of ability to bring information to us. So heart math now has showed us that when we move into our heart, and when I, what I mean by that is literally you, what you focus on expands. So if you put, I, I will activate it by literally putting my hand on my heart. And you can do this any time through the day where you're feeling wobbly or you just feel like you need it, a lift or information. And you just focus on your heart and you're breathing into there. And then you slow your breath. They suggest five counts inhalation and then extend the inhalation. So just doing that alone, you start to regulate your whole system. And then if you bring about an elevated emotion, and again, I write about this in the book, heavy emotions and light emotions. So light could be like joy or gratitude or just peace. And you bring that into your heart space. Well, right now they can measure that your heart has a magnetical field 5,000 times stronger than your thinking mind. So now you've just amped up your ability. So you're working now in coherence with your thinking mind, and which you do need, you need them both. And then they integrate and things just start coming to you or working out for you or a, a, a new insight or awareness will come to you. You start to move in new ways. And then back to what we had spoke about, then you start to expect it because you trust your heart. The challenging thing is so many of us have not had, had our hearts broken or we, we don't feel safe to go there. It takes a bit of a vulnerability and a belief. So, but the data is helpful. And so as a, I also am a student of Dr. Joe Dispenza and as an advanced student, you have to do a lot of this where you're, it's again, slow drip. You just keep going, keep going. And the more you do that, the more you see that things start to align and you're not alone trying to make life work for you that you are actually co-creating with life. And that's a very different way to move through your moments. So mm. it's exciting, the new science that's coming through right and, now. And it is interesting that neurites, which are the uh, neurons in the heart and squids, which is superconducting quantum interference devices or the mechanisms along with heart math to be able to measure things. So when you're talking about these areas, and you come from your area, I come out at mine, but we're yeah. actually both agreeing in the center that actually yeah. these things are possible. And we probably use different methods and techniques to get there, but we probably all agree that these things are true. Whether we, we might emphasize them differently or interpret mm -hmm. these things differently doesn't matter. The fact is that, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's incontroversial that these things are there now. And actually yeah. it's a great way to measure things. And of course we can do blood works and hormone testing and all sorts yeah. of different things as well, can't we? To actually test the body's reaction to certain states. And, it's, and it is fascinating that um, the idea of measuring things, which has been so vague over the course of such a long time is simple now compared to the past. Mm -hmm. And, I think, uh, and I, think, I think everything you're saying makes sense to me because actually I can see exactly how your therapeutic process will drive a physiological or you call it emotional but a physiological response that can be measured in the body it's just i think it's great yeah and you know i i love that you speak to that it, it's so important that we recognize we are all different expressions so how we go about doing these sort of healing works or therapeutic works it will come up with our thumbprint on it however it should produce why bother doing it unless people are coming out feeling better moving better choosing better and enjoying life. We didn't come here to drudge through. We came here for joy. And I used to hear people say that. And when you're not in joy, it's very annoying. 
I used to really be annoyed. I have a sister who's an occupational therapist. So she's doing this through um, her, her kind of vein is through sports and through getting kids in nature, people into the world, you know? So she's living, I'm blessed to live in Hawaii. So she's got kids, you know, I know, so it's easy to hate someone like that. (laughs) So, but eventually when my, when I started to shift and I started to have my joy dad on pile up and I started to utilize these very things that I share in the world, I realized that, wow, you know, each one of us comes very aware of what we're drawn to and what we're attracted to. And I speak to attractor objects in the beginning because people will say, I don't even know how to do art. I wouldn't even pick up your book. And I said, it's not art. It's about listening to yourself, finding what's good, what feels right. And so literally when people will make an image, I'll say, they'll say, I don't know what color. I say, just stop, breathe, and just notice where your eyes are pulled. If your eyes are landing on that blue, grab blue, play with it, and then drop it when you're bored. And then you integrate that into life. When you walk into life and you see, I'm really drawn to that person across the room. It's probably good medicine. There's Mm. probably a collaboration there, or maybe they've got some information for you. It just bridges into life. And so, yeah, it's important to know these things and and to trust what modality feels right to you. Mm. Interesting. I, I interviewed someone many, many, many podcasts ago who talked about the science of color and the different wavelengths and frequencies and color. And that's why different things appeal to people. But um, there's quite a big move in brain science that says actually that we don't see colors the same. So, you know, your definite, your, you know, the old green blue dress thing that rocked across the internet many years ago. And that's that. And that's why sort of colors don't do speak to people differently. And Mm. it doesn't matter what color you're putting down because I mean, you know, this color I'm wearing might, who knows what color it is. I mean, I think it's blue, but you might be saying, well, actually, no, it's, pink or yeah. whatever it is and who cares yeah. what color it is as long as this the color the representation of the color is speaking to you so so Corey, um tell me more about how i can find out more about you how people can find out your work how they can get hold of your books mm-hmm. and um so, tell us all yeah, that stuff yeah thanks for asking that because i really do invite you to come and connect with me through my website creatinghealingwithcorey.com and Corey is spelled C-O-R-R-Y because on there it's more than a website there's a ton of free resources if you're listening to this and thinking this kind of sounds intriguing follow that curiosity that's where the wonder is and so there are various pdfs I've written the different ways that you can um, access one one is just mind mapping creatively and there's just different ways that you can feel into this as well. I've got lots of stuff on my social media there and I've started a YouTube channel where I have processes done so that if you're feeling angry, what is, how can I flip that? I do that. So you can take a look. So all that stuff is there for you. And if you want to work together, we can do a free consult session because you have to feel alignment with working with someone so we can we can take a look at that and it lists also the different uh, healing modalities that I'm trained in and the book it's available on Amazon and yeah and it's in Kindle and uh, paperback version and already has become an international bestseller so it's only been out for since December 28th so 
dive into that if it feels aligned. It's actually more than a book. It's an experience that you get to feel yourself transform and have some crayons because you dip into that book too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. I'm going to have yeah. to have a look at that. It's, it's far away from my own sphere of, sphere of um, competence, the whole art world. But I know I speak to so many people who who really would benefit from your what you're talking about. So Great. it's been fun to spend time with you today and I've really learned a lot and I've enjoyed it. So thanks for spending time with us today. Oh, I've enjoyed it. You take care. Hi everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.